You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Seminole Wrap Podcast. It's a football Friday. We're giving you a bonus episode this week. A pre-week zero episode is what I'm calling it. But, you know, if you're listening to this pre-LSU, that's cool too. I think this is going to probably be an evergreen episode. I I can't imagine the spring game of Duquesne is really going to change the the landscape of the team. But who knows? You know, we never find out. But uh, honestly, if if you're listening post-Duquesne, maybe just skip five minutes in and everything there is all you need. But it's me, Brian Peller, and your host. No Max this week. Uh, poor kid. Schooling, jumping in the way. So John's here, though. That's great. Great to have you back, John. Thank you. Yeah, always good. And I brought the boss in. We turned around, and to fill Max's seat, we grabbed Perry off the bench. Yeah, I got scared of your last name right there. What's up, man? Oh, not much. Thank you again for stroking the ego and letting me come on. Costadakis? Costadakis. One day. One day. Uh, that's all right. I got halfway through an F word there and bailed. So that's good. Uh, so welcome in. Uh, really, we're going to do a full season preview. I, I mean, I think um, we'll tackle the questions that everyone seems to be interested in and we'll make our predictions for the year. We're going to talk wins and losses. We'll save that for a little bit. Um, we'll talk big players, MVPs, what we're looking for throughout the year, important games, all that type of stuff. Uh, but I don't want to, I do want to start with the first thing that I, that really came out this week that caught a lot of people's attention. Um, and I guess it kind of rolls in to each other because uh, just everyone seemed to be interested in our comments online. And that would be uh, the first depth chart of the year. Everyone seemed to be in on that one. We had like 70 comments on that. Um, and to kind of go with it, there were a couple of injuries from this week. Uh, Kai Douglas, Perry, I, I don't know if that one is all that serious, but I, I, he is out for Duquesne. 
right? Is that that's what kind of where we're at? And we'll see from there. Yeah, uh, Mike Norvell spoke this week, gave the updates, um, said Ja'Kai Douglas would be unavailable versus Duquesne, um, but said that they expect him back on the field soon, kind of hinting at a shorter timeline than you expect when also announcing Stephen Dick's linebacker would be out for the season with an injury as well. But again, like they are different levels of severity, both depth-wise and like timeline-wise. Ja'Kai is short has a little bit of an impact on Duquesne, probably won't have a big impact moving forward. Steven Dix, timeline long, out for the season, but he had gotten passed over a little bit on the depth chart. It's a little bit of a blow to the depth and like experience of the team. He had played a significant role over the last two years since his freshman year, but with the addition of the talent and the experience and the depth that they've seen this offseason, it's not like a season-defining injury. It sucks for the kid. It's very, like, you hate to see it happen, especially this early in the year, but it's not something that's going to turn the season. Uh, so what I just looking through, like, my my thoughts and notes, right? I think uh, the most interesting thing to me about the depth chart was the oars uh, between Ontario Wilson and Deuce Span and the oar between Malik McLean and Johnny Wilson. So uh, we talked a lot on this pod before about how, uh, you know, the receivers were the worst position group on the team last season. We really, really, really need to take a, a step there, get some development going on, you know, with some of these transfers and these kinds of guys. So I'm really, really excited. There's some ore. Uh, you know, I know Wilson has been kind of um, uh, inconsistent in his career at Florida State. But so that's that's kind of where I'm looking for some guys to, you know, grab some quality uh, snaps. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too, because I was actually I'm a we've talked about this on last year's pod, but I'm a college football DFS guy, a daily fantasy sports player uh, because I'm a degenerate and Florida won't let me just bet on the game as it is. So I got to find other ways to do it. But uh, I was actually texting with one of my buddies earlier this week and uh, he hit me up first thing Monday morning and was like, hey, man, the, the, you know, the, the contest just opened. He's like, I'm big on your FSU guys, especially Trey Benson this week. I know he's expensive, but I want to pay up for him. Uh, and I said, you know, I. I don't know if he's going to start, you know, I, everything I seem to hear is uh, to a feel he's been great. Treshawn Ward obviously has been great. I mean, I just think it's a three headed monster and I don't know if the expensive guy is the way to go. And he was like, no dude, the pricing, it's clear that Benson's the guy. Um, and then the depth chart dropped and, you know, Ward and to I guess, are I don't, I guess they, they start two running backs on the chart mm-hmm. on the chart, but um, you know, it was, it was a kind of a, a change there. I don't know if there's anything really to read into it. Um, but it, you know, I, I did see it maybe a bit surprising. It wasn't even an or there, any, anything that jumps out there. Um, not particularly just because the way that this Norvell offense functions, like all the way dating back to Memphis, yeah. the running backs are going to eat, like, it doesn't matter how it's going to happen. Uh, Ward's going to get the bulk of the carries. It's kind of what we saw last year with, uh, Deshaun Corbin, like he was the main guy, but then everybody else got their time like they got scores didn't matter goal line explosive plays and that's where Trey Benson is going to shine I think because while Ward's kind of like that shifty like Devontae Freeman type Benson's that big body almost more cam acres like he can reel off that explosive play but you can also throw him in near the goal line and same with Toa Philly like I think Alex Atkins said during the presser this week you could put like the same jersey number on all of them and you wouldn't recognize like who is on the field because they have the same skill set. Like they are all equally talented in each individual way. But honestly, I think Benson is like a pretty good pick for this game specifically because assuming that Ward is the first guy in, Benson's going to be coming in like later in the game and that's going to be when 
the Dukes are a little bit more tired and they're more prone to be running the ball anyways say to try it. to run out the game. Say it. Say the say the university. Duquesne. Oh, you did it. Uh, I really wanted to do I said it. I said yeah. it. I said Duquesne. Don't worry. I wanted to throw the Dukes in there and give them a little bit of love <laughs> on the mascot. But you know, like I think that overall, like the offense is gonna eat. Like they have been waiting for a nice like blowout game. FSU hasn't won an opener since 2016. There's been two true blowouts in the Mike Norvell era. So, like, they're just gearing up for, like, a big, explosive, like, statement game ahead of a primetime matchup. And I wonder how much of it is important to get Benson some more work and, and you know, get him coming off his injury kind of built back up. I don't know how much of that really matters, you know, but, you know, it might be a chance against a Duquesne to just be like, here, get, get some game speed that's not practiced and, and let him get that feel again. Yeah, let him get the confidence back up. Like, he's healthy, no brace, even in the spring. Like, he's healed up. He's ready to go. Yeah. But he hasn't gotten the – like, you're right, he hasn't got the chance for, like, game time, like – let him get hit, let him feel that adrenaline of running somebody over and scoring and get, get him ready for the season. Yeah, exactly. And um, I don't know. I mean, again, if you're listening to this post Duquesne, I don't think that's really, you know, you, you'll know, but I, again, I, I don't think there's anything that's going to be overly takeaway from this week. I think the hope is a, a, a role and, and keep it going from there. And I don't think that's going to really impact our predictions here. Right? So shifting towards that angle, we're going to run through, kind of the players we're keeping our eye on first, and then we'll go win-loss, ceiling, floor, kind of that expectation. John, I just kind of boxed you out on that last uh, – well, yeah, you gave your depth chart first, but I'll go back to you anyway. Uh, your offensive MVP at the end of the season, who you got? I don't think you could pick anyone but Jordan Travis. Yeah. The, I, I, it's kind of a short answer. It doesn't – I mean, there's no real what – am, what am I supposed to say? But it's clearly him. There's no one else that – He's worth, I think, at least a couple wins to this team, maybe two, two and a half, something like that. There's just no replacing him. Um, and, and again, I, I'm happy or not happy, but maybe excited about the future with A.J. Duffy. But this is Jordan Travis's show, and he's easily the most important player on the team. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's I, there's no answer. There's no Because <laughs> if he doesn't do well, the offense is not going to do well. A.J. Duffy, right. like you said, talented, like exciting future, but not – true ready. freshman year ready rotomakers yeah. made the steps but he's still he's serviceable backup is the goal that he's trying to meet right now not prime time like game time start right so it's almost like the same way that like offensive mp is tied to jordan travis like the success of this team is tied to him like they have established a situation where they're ride or die with how he performs this year so you can get like crafty and say the wide receiver group if things are going to go well but <laughs> you're just being like right you're just trying to find something different yeah i mean that that's i mean everyone in the in the whole group uh, up and down the list ended up grabbing uh, uh jordan travis which i think actually you said you were just going to pick someone different and took trey benson mm-hmm. yeah um, so that's because you're you yeah yeah uh but i mean uh, yeah it is jordan travis and Something I thought was interesting in the comments of this article when I was looking at it the other day, and I've seen it a few times in like season predictions is like, what if Jordan doesn't take that step? Right. Because I feel like everything I've heard at practice and even talking to Brian McFadden and uh, for Max and from Tommy, it's just, they look like he looks like he has improved. He looks like a leader who knows this is his team and he needs it. 
Um, and you know, maybe they're just, you know, negative fans looking on, on the, uh, I have to see it before I believe it type thing, but it is true that it's entirely in the realm of possibilities that he just doesn't, um, which would be obviously really bad. I still think it's a good enough team and we'll get to that eventually. But I mean, I, I do know that there is a need for that step to be taken at least. Yeah. Cause I mean, worst case say he doesn't baseline, I guess would be last season where you've, had a little bit more command of his arm and of the offense in general was still advanced analytics put him like a top 30 quarterback but even if not, it, yeah it's not good enough like it's not he has the potential to be an upper tier if, if you replace parchment with a guy who catches three more passes all of a sudden jordan yeah. travis looks and the season looks totally different that's what i'm saying like his baseline was last year and the baseline is good enough but to really be like a successful team, like he needs to take that next step. Well, that was my exact point too, is he, he could not be any better than last year, but if the receivers are better, he'll look better. Um, He'll play better. A lot of them couldn't get any separation, even against the DBs at Jacksonville state. And whether they were, it did get separation or didn't, they couldn't make contested catches. So they, they were the worst position group, um in the ACC um, I mean among all receivers they were probably one of the worst receiver groups in all of the power five last season so if they were below average this year that's a huge improvement and I think you'll see Jordan Travis improve now if he's also improved on his own then yeah we should see market marketedly better passing game than we did last season so I'm, I'm hoping for that um but we'll see I, I mean Duquesne I don't think is going to be a really uh good test for that but you know we'll find out against lsu yeah and, and john on that point i mean what was it maybe less than a year ago that was, was it me and you i think that had the the dueling who should be the quarterback for was it week three or week four articles you know yeah. I mean, yeah. that wasn't even a year ago and and uh so i i guess i mean i'm with you guys i think it if every if even the receivers show a pulse then the passing game is automatically better and jordan looks immensely better but um you know, it's it's definitely in the realm of possibilities that before this, I don't think we had really even brought up or considered. Uh, switching to defensive side of the ball, Perry, I'll go to you first. So you got defensive MVP. It's got to be Jamie Robert. Like this again, like kind of like feeding the answers just based off the talent on this team. But Jamie Robinson is maybe the best overall player on the team, just talent wise. Not a like first or second round NFL draft pick but has the potential to be a game-changing safety and showcased that last year and has really come into his own after a year in this defensive system and then just seeing how he can create uh takeaways I almost said turnovers and Adam Fuller was going to come like hunt me down because he, <laughs> he hates that phrase but his ability to impact the game that way his command of the defense like being able to see everything from the back like bird's eye view is just speaks more to anything else that a player can do this season outside of maybe Fabian Lovett. It's a pretty good okay. one. So I have a lot of thoughts here real quick. I just want to run down. <laughs> um, first of all, Jared Verse is 
not Jermaine Johnson. That's not a knock on Jared Verse. He's just not going to be that guy. That's fine. Um, I do think FSU starting four, Derek McClendon, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, and Dennis Briggs is a very good, solid group. I'm a little bit worried about the depth behind them. Uh, but for my MVP, I know a lot of fans are going to say Fabian Lovett. I, I really think it could end up being coming down to McClendon versus Briggs. But I'll also do a honorable mention dark horse with, um, I think someone in the secondary could kind of emerge as that guy. I will say, though, the one I'm actually most excited for would be Amarian Cooper. That kid got better every single week last year. I think he's got what it takes. I hopefully he'll we'll see him be much improved because he was a very young player last season. I'm incredibly excited for him. Um, but I do think. McClendon and Briggs may end up being the most talented kids on this defense. Um, McClendon, especially he, he was a beast toward the end, end of last year. So I'm, I think, I, I think McClendon probably ends up being MVP, but it, you know, I think it's open. It's a little bit more open than offense, obviously. Yeah. You which know, that, speaks that to such the like depth again, that we like keep bringing up in the XBLA. Norvell himself said, like, the whole, like, the meme about FSU football the last couple of years is the youngest team in football, like, youngest team in football. Like, that's mm-hmm. why everything, like, is so inconsistent. But now they returned so much experience and so much productivity that you just listed off, like, six legitimate candidates for, like, who could be. And you'd even get into the linebacker right. group. Like, Tana Bethune, like, could be mm-hmm. a game-changing addition. He is going to start. He is experienced. He is the best linebacker on the team pending like how much of a step Kalen Deloach takes this season but then you even have like the depth pieces like Amari Gaynor like there's just so much talent across the board that it's just such a far cry that you, when you're looking at the depth chart that's what you see immediately right yeah I might have gone with the uh with the dummy pick I took Akeem Dent on kind of almost the same argument you made for Jamie Rob- Jamie Robinson but slightly different right like I think if you look at the, at this secondary you say you know find 10 and avoid him and that might end up putting Dent in the spot where he just makes a couple of plays. At the end of the year, he's got, you know, look up and you're like, man, this guy's got eight picks. How'd that happen? You know, maybe he's not otherworldly. You know, it's not, he's not, uh, he's not the talent level that, that uh, Robinson is, but you look up and you go, Oh, okay. There's some numbers. And, and, you know, to John's point, I mean, there's enough guys, honestly, across the board on the defense and they're going to be takeaway focused that it really could be anyone, you know, I mean, the, the ball hits the ground a couple of times or you get a handful of sacks, someone pops and, you know, the way the defense plays kind of allows almost anyone to be the answer. But I mean, I think really it's just, there's a, there's a bunch of guys that, that give you more hope than I think we had at this point last year. Yeah, definitely agree. It's, well said. Oh, thank you, John. I really appreciate that. My, <laughs> my, welcome. uh, <laughs> The, the next question is, is kind of in the same vein, and, and I think we just kind of rattled off all the defensive guys, but um, the question was three, the next three names that that you are, um, I, I guess, biggest names, people you're looking for this season, and maybe the guys we just kind of left out outside of those two. Obviously, like I said, mine were um, Jordan Travis and Akeem Dent. Outside of that, I ended up going Johnny Wilson, Derek McClendon, and Fabian Lovett. I think the you know the last two we just kind of hit on, um, and I think Johnny Wilson and Max kind of mentioned it last week. Look, if he has issues with drops, then it's going to become a problem. Um, but I just think that size is going to be so important for this team. 
even if they can't get real separation from great DBs. I mean, you see it this week if you just look at Duquesne's depth chart, which I can't imagine many people are. But, you know, across the board, it's like six foot, you know, dude, six, seven. That automatically gives you space to make a pass. And, you know, obviously, I think when you play LSU and Clemson and other schools like that, they're probably going to have bigger guys. That'll at least be close. But six, seven is still not exactly your average DB size. That's not something most many teams are going to be able to match up with. And uh, I also put them down for like the name the guy who's going to be a household name at the end of the season, just because I think, you know, it's going to be the same thing. Kind of like I said with Dent, you look up and you're like, this guy's got nine touchdowns. It's just, I think it's just going to be put it up there and let him go get it. See, I, you know, I want to pick a receiver too. If I got to pick three guys, but I don't know who I want to pick because it could be <laughs> anyone. Um, I don't know. You're the Malik McLean be... guy. Come on. Oh yeah. So yeah, I would like to see him kind of really, you know, be that solid, dependable chain mover guy. Um, I could also go Cameron McDonald. There's not really any depth behind him. Uh, so it's important one that he plays well Two, he stays healthy. So I'll go him number two. I, you could pick three guys on the offensive line if you wanted to. And I guess to be fun, I'll go, uh, Kevin Knowles as the nickel guy. Uh, love to see him have a, have a really good year. If he's the apex defender, you might see some guys try to pick on him. Um, not that he's a weak link or anything, but it would be fun to see him make some plays. Pretty sure I had Malik McLean too, because that's I am so excited about you did what he potentially could do this season. Because everything you said about Johnny Wilson, which is true, could also be said about Malik McLean, yep, who is a younger player, still has a higher ceiling that he could potentially reach. And like we saw the flashes of it last year. But this season, with, like, the comfort of adding Wilson, of having the experience in Keyshawn Helton and Ontario Wilson and having Michael Pittman and, like, Kentron Pointy, like, there are just so many names that it allows him to get the chance to separate himself. as like that every down, like, he can win Auden Tate, Kelvin Benjamin, <clears throat> you name it from, like, the history of Florida State. You want, like, a good example of you throw it, he catches it. And... We have said, <clears throat> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, Hold on. I, I'm just going to cut it. We have said like Duquesne like really doesn't matter. And like, it doesn't like assuming this is not a Jacksonville state fiasco. Like you're not going to read too much into if they score 52 or like 35, but it's a confidence builder. It's a chance to like establish that like consistency, like what the expectations are this season for the team themselves. If they put up 52 and, Malik has two touchdowns. Johnny Wilson has one. Like Trey Benson rolls one off. Like it sets the tone for the season that they haven't gotten the chance to experience again since 2016. 2020 Norvell, they lose the first game. It deflates the whole season because you lose to a terrible Georgia Tech team. Notre Dame, it builds it up a little, but then you lose Jacksonville State the next week. Yeah. This, yeah, just like starting off on the right foot does so much for a team that. It's exp- like it's not going to be, oh, my gosh, they're winning 10 games if they blow this team out. But it's going to be like, OK, like we can take them a little bit more seriously. Yeah. And I think the only people who's gonna, who are going to read into the score or maybe, you know, if it ends up being close ish. Right. I mean, you know, I, there was some some jokes around on, on the shutdown full cast. Right. About like, oh, Florida State Duquesne got to watch that one after last year. But I mean, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be as an improved team that really shouldn't be. So like you said, we'll keep it moving. But I am interested to see if there is that. And I really, again, I don't even know if you can read into that, but if there's a receiver who does jump out 
as a as someone they just you know they look for they're designing plays for i think you'll end up seeing more of that against lsu but i'm interested who that ends up being throughout the season you know who ends up being it's third and six you know who do you know is going to hit find some space and and just sit down or who's going to make his guy you know miss and and get an open field and and be able to turn it a three-yard reception into seven um you know i don't i don't know I, the good part is you have options this year where you just flatly did. I remember doing this article last year. I was like, I hope uh, Keyshawn Elton becomes that guy. And, you know, <laughs> I think you've actually got more of that this year, hopefully, because you you certainly didn't last year. I, I couldn't have been more wrong with that one. Um, I, the the other question I, I, that I was interested in was who are you most excited for this year? And I just – I picked Jordan Travis. I just – I think if he takes the next step, it's it's the most fun guy to watch on the team. Um, and I, I just thought I'd mention that. I don't know if there's really anything overwhelming there. I think everyone just wants to see the team just not suck. Yeah. Like to watch a game and not just be like, why did I waste my time? Even if it's a loss, productive, consistent, executed football. It's not a big ask, but it shouldn't be, <laughs> it shouldn't be, but not like, are you sure? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I might be gaslighting myself, but I feel like it's not like something that you should be begging for, but that's what they've been working towards. That was the task given to Mike Morvell after the creating of this program. Like it's been a slow, slow climb. Like they're climbing Mount Everest, but they've made a little bit of progress. This could very well be a uh, 40 minute long old takes exposed or, you know, <laughs> freezing cold takes at the end of this, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it, it's a, it shouldn't be a problem and it should be just a simple ask, just play good football. That's all. And if you play good to decent football, you probably end up at six and six last year, which, you know, I mean, Brian McFadden, like I said, said earlier this year when we talked to him and it was just like the ball bounces different. The team was seven and five last year. You know, you had a couple of games that probably should have been yours. You could make the same argument that the Miami game probably shouldn't have been yours if, you know, fourth and 14 doesn't happen, but it did. So, you know, you get your bounces and it is what it is, which is perfect to bring us to uh, record prediction. And I, I kind of want to do this as we pick a number and we give a ceiling and a floor. Okay. Because um, I'm thinking, you know, obviously I've brought this up many a times and it has kind of become my crutch on this one. The ball is not round. You're going to play one score games. Kid's going to kick the ball off the upright and there goes the game. That could happen for you. That could be Florida's kicker who does it. I don't know. But you're going to be in that game and probably could have, should have, would have won. So I think there's a ceiling. I think there's a floor. So I will go to John first. Um, I I assume, John, you're going to say Orange Bowl is the ceiling and one win is the floor, right? What? (laughs) (laughs) What? No. um, Man, that would be a roller coaster. No. um, (laughs) I. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not going to change a prediction I did money many, many months ago what I thought the season was going to be. I think seven and five is the most likely. That's what my record prediction would be. Ceiling, I'd say – see, I I can't remember. I looked this up so many times over this year. I want to say maybe they had six one-score games. I think they went even last year. So it's not like they went uh, two and four one-score games, and we're like, oh, it's going to swing back in their favor or whatever. It could go really good or it could go really bad. So I'm going to say if some of the bounces go their way, ceiling's nine and three. If 
the bounces don't go their way. Maybe you have some injuries. Like if Travis gets hurt, not going to want that. Um, <laughs> I would say five wins again. Um, but I, I would say, I think they go seven and five. I do think winning eight games is more likely than winning six, but a lot of things have to go right for them to win nine. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just save Perry for last because he runs the place. And so I feel like his, <laughs> his, his opinion is most important, but I mean, we did the uh, win share. Right. And Perry, you got a couple of texts from me because I was trying to figure out how the hell that works. And I ended up just just a hair under eight at seven point eight seven. And I feel like that's about the right area. Right. I think the, the difference is that seven and five, eight and four. And I feel like, you know, John, we've talked about it a lot over the last 10 months or nine months since it's been the season was over. Right. And it's like if you can get to seven and five, great. And I feel like the positive momentum rolling through camp is pushing more people to say eight and four, nine and three, we got this. And I think you're still the same team. You're just getting it more in your face and you're just more excited about it. So I, I'm not trying to rain on the parade. I'm not trying to, to kind of dampen things. I see nine as the ceiling because I just don't think the double digit win depth is there because it's football. You're going to have a guy banged up here and there. That's going to cost you a game somewhere. If it's Jordan Travis, I think all bets are off. But you know, if it's if it's your important receiver, if it's your, um, you know, if it's if it's Jamie Robinson, then yeah, it's 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 a problem. So I, you know, I think nine's the ceiling. I don't see ten happening, and I've got six and six as the floor. I don't. I just don't see seven losses in here. Um, there's some bad teams in the ACC this year that I right. I think they're simply better than. But I could be wrong. I could be that could be the week that you know Jordan Travis rolls his ankle. We saw that last year a couple of times, and they played games that probably shouldn't have been as close as they were. And, and uh, I mean, Florida really was probably a great example of it, right? I mean, he played, he just got banged up a couple of times, and it kind of became like, oh, all right, so this is going to be like a mud fight, and the last one to to manage to hold on to a lead wins, and that's kind of how it went. Um, so I think in seven and five, a bounce very easily makes them eight and four. But I don't think you're going to I don't I don't think this is like get ready to go to Charlotte. I don't think this is like anything crazy. I think there's just some good positive momentum about the team, which is really, I think, all you could ask for after the way things kind of ended last year. And, you know, you're, you're excited to have a competitive football team. And so now I will clear out and let Perry tell you you're going to the Orange Bowl. <laughs> the floor is five wins, maybe four. And, like, we're going to take this, like, literally, best case, worst case, like, actual, like, possibility. Because there's a chance that, like, yeah, an injury does, like, throw apart your season. If that injury is a Jordan Travis, four or five wins. And, like, that's dragging yourself to it. I'm going to be honest, though, the way that the schedule is shaped up, the way that some things have broken out, the way that you can catch LSU this year and that you can catch Florida. You can maybe catch Clemson depending on if they're bouncing back. There's 10 wins. If, if, if the depth is real, if they can't take that next step, if Jordan Travis becomes a top 20, top 15 quarterback, like top three in the ACC, there's so much potential for this team to take advantage of the opportunities on the schedule because it gets a little bit harder next year. Like Clemson probably think, has things figured out. LSU is going to be a much better team second year under Brian Kelly. NC State 
is going to fall off a little bit. They're maybe the team I'm most concerned about, but Wake Forest losing Sam Hartman makes it a much more winnable game. Louisville always like kind of like pretty annoying over the last couple of years. That's winnable. Like each game is winnable, which is such a far cry from where things have been, where you've looked at the schedule and you're like, I see like three or four wins, like maybe. But then like there is always that flip side. Like we have seen this team underwhelm. We have seen this team underperform. They play Louisiana Lafayette, who is a pretty decent like group of five team, like group of five, six. I don't know. They have a lot of ACC, ACC, like (laughs) group of six at this point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because it's true. It is just devastating. But like that could be a loss. And then you lose that game and then you lose to a Florida team who's also rebuilding and like figuring things out. Like it puts a pretty bad stain on it. Like to where six wins gets you to a bowl, but nobody's excited. Seven wins is the like expectation, but like that's like you're begrudging like, oh man, like really wanted a quarter pounder, but I guess we'll take this McDouble. But because eight wins, like it's still McDonald's. You're not eating at Ruth Chris. Like you're still not eating like that fancy, fancy food. But we've seen Norvell's teams at Memphis take huge steps. We've seen them produce. We've seen the baseline. We've seen like the woodwork and everything and all that. If the wide receiver group is average, if the linebacker group is average, so like there's a lot of potential, but I still just, I'm still like a solid eight and four. I think they could hear Obi barking. I'm still a solid eight and four. I think nine and three is more likely than seven and six. But I get like, I'm a big believer in hype. Like I'm a big believer in like when people, like I can see when people start to believe, I can see that the team like has figured it out. The fact that they return so much production and so much experience and so many like players with experience on snaps, like, the recipe is there. Like they still don't have the blue chip level to be competing for a title or even a conference championship, but like no reason that they shouldn't be a top four, top three team in the ACC. They definitely can make a decent bull. Bad boy mowers Gasparilla. I think that's still the sponsor. Like the potential is there for a big season. It's a prove it seat. I wrote a column on tomahognation.com. It like, it's the proof of concept season. Can Norvell like execute this vision? Like, he has been hyping up the team himself. He says they still need to prove it on the field. That's still the fact. But, like, overall, they got what they need. It's year three. You kind of have your system in place. You have your people. You have your quarterback unquestioned. You elevated the talent level across the board. It's there. Take the chance. Yeah, I guess I guess where I end up looking is that what you said there and in, in the ceiling is that everything is winnable. Like, I don't see anything that I don't think they couldn't win on the schedule, which is different. Maybe NC State's the one that I would put in that realm. But I still, I mean, just because it's probably a road game against a team that should be better than you. So, I mean, you're going to have to go and, and take that one. But I I, I mean, uh, obviously Miami might be next on that list, but that's a, that's a rivalry game. So, I can see it. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm not really here to, to, to say this team doesn't have potential. Well, right. And I th- see, I think, oh, man, Perry, you made such a great point. <laughs> I mean, the, the team last year, they they were good. <laughs> in, they, they were good at spurts, right? They, they might be great for the or they looked really good for 10, 5 to 10, maybe even 15 minutes. 
and then they do nothing. I think their defense was better than they were given credit for. They're putting tons and tons of really bad field position by the offense, but they had stretches where, again, when the offense clicked, they were really good, but they couldn't sustain that for anywhere close to the whole game, 60 minutes. Then you might get that two, maybe three times of that out of the offense during a game, right? So I think to your point, and I love how you you worded it, the proof of concept from Norvell. If this team looks more like his Memphis teams, where we talked a lot when he came, he got hired, that his Memphis teams were always a hallmark of them as they were always really well coached. They did all of the little things very well. They were very consistent. They didn't beat themselves. If this team can do that or be something like that, then yes, I think they're going to it'll look from a team that last year was very flawed to one this year that is very solid, right? And like to Brian's point, they would be competitive in every single game. They're not going to win them all, but they should be in them maybe even into the fourth quarter, give or take maybe one or two games. But, um, you know, again, I know because of the Jacksonville State game, sometimes I feel like because of that, you can't really rule out a loss at any game either. But (laughs) again, if, if his proof of concept does come to fruition this season and this team does look like one of his Memphis teams, I, I, again, I think, you know, that's a really solid team. He took a lot of those, those, those programs are those squads. I mean, to, to 10 and, and 11 wins, like you said, this team's not going to win a ACC championship this year, but it could look like one of those Memphis teams he took over that ended up, you know, a few years down the line did win ACC titles or what, uh, what's the conference? A- Thank a- you. Conference a- USA. A- yeah. Were they AAC? Yeah. yeah. Conference USA. A- they were AAC. Conference USA. Is- right. Like against like uh, UCF and those are good UCF teams that they beat yeah. then. So, yeah, no. And that's the thing. Like he has proven that he is a good coach. He just mm-hmm. has yet to establish that he is capable of like realizing that vision in this program. And like, right. This is not, unless they lose week zero and then, or like they win three games, like this is not a firing year. You're not, it, to go back to a wonderful column, like you right. cannot afford to fire Mike Norvell at this Thank point, you. like still. Um, but you can enter a lame duck period. You can enter like a, oh right. my gosh, like you get into 2024, if you lose a game, like you're gone. And so like, it is a proven year in so many ways, like for Jordan Travis, for mm-hmm. like all these seniors who came back, who trying to improve their draft position the storyline the narrative all that like the soft factors are all there for fsu to take that next step like they keep like again like the production the return value it's almost like wake forest last year where like they won because they had that experience like if you're gonna make the point to add this talent and depth like you need to take advantage of it like and just like if it's not gonna work this year again not to a 10 or 11 win season like but if it's not going to look good this year, when's it going to happen? Yeah, I think, you know, if you if, – and I thought you had a great point on this one, Perry, is going through the schedule, it lines up really well for you this year, especially. You know, like you mentioned LSU, and it's LSU in New Orleans, so it's, it's in their yard, and it's probably going to be a majority LSU crowd. I don't think overwhelming majority, but, you know, maybe 60-40 or so, but – you know, LSU is ripe. We've talked about it before. We, we talked about it in June, and, and I think we're going to re-hit it on next week's episode going more in-depth again. You know, that team is a hodgepodge of transfers playing their first game. And I know there was a lot made of, of um, a few weeks ago in FSU Twitter about Miles Brennan, their LSU's quarterback, retiring. And I mentioned it on here that it, I don't think that's as big of a deal. He was told he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback. 
And that's when he said, all right, I'm good then. Uh, he's got enough money. He can retire on the bananas foster empire of new Orleans and, <laughs> and call it a, call it a career. But that game is super winnable. Um, you know, cause you're the team that returns continuity and they are not. Whereas I think if this is year two of Brian Kelly, year three of Brian Kelly, it's probably not a, at this point for what I think Florida state is a quote unquote winnable game, but it's a, th- I think a three point spread. You've got a shot there. Yeah. You get a week and a half or almost two weeks, almost two full weeks to prepare for Louisville. I know it's a Friday night and it's weird. And we talked about it before on the preview pod for that one, that it's a Spider-Man meme of two similar teams where Louisville's going, man, if Malik Cunningham takes that step, here we go. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, but what if he doesn't? So, I mean, it's winnable, right? It's another winnable one. Boston College we've talked about. I'm, I'm interested on how long Sam Hartman is out for Wake Forest and what they look like. It just seems like, and John, I think you've made this point. It doesn't matter who is quarterback at Wake Forest. That guy's going to throw like 22 for 27 for 298 <laughs> yards and four touchdowns or something with no picks. Yeah, because they, they just keep cloning the same guy. So. <laughs> Riley Skinner still running around. <laughs> I, I can't even remember the guy that was the QB when I was at Florida State as a student, but it, it's got to be – It's all the names are so similar. I think I it was like the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, the biggest the biggest argument against Florida State winning eight or nine games, and I do think it's crazy to say, oh, he needs to win eight games or he should get fired. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is is how good other quarterbacks are in the ACC this year. Mm-hmm. Their teams may not be all that, right? Uh, like for example, Boston College, but the quarterbacks around the around the, the conference are pretty good. So, you know, again, if all of them take steps to be better this season than they were last. You can have a bunch of dogfights on your hands and who knows what happens, but yeah, it's yeah. the off season. Everybody's bigger, faster, stronger, better than they were the last right. year before. Like in the best like, shape of their yeah, lives and the best, yeah. shape, <laughs> it's the best, like it's peak, like it's prove it for everybody. But just the like simple facts and stats are that like Florida state has the tools in place to be an upper tier ACC team when they've been middle of the pack at best over the last couple of years. Yeah. Agreed. And that, and John, just on your point, I just a quick a quick game. So we don't I don't really want to extend this all that much, but quarterbacks better or worse. I mean, just going down the list, I'm skipping Duquesne, but you know, LSU is probably gonna have Jade Daniels, who was a three, a two or three year starter at Arizona State. I don't know what he looks like. I think you're probably at a coin toss there. Um, he's a great athlete who might be able to throw. I don't know. And they go with Garrett Nussmeyer. I think that's smoke and mirrors, but I think it's gonna be Jaden Daniels. You go to Louisville, Malik Cunningham. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a very similar situation. It's a guy who runs really, really, really well. And, you know, if he makes a couple of throws, it's, it's tough to play against. Uh, Dirkovic at um, Boston College. I, I think Jordan Travis is better than him. Um, but I, that might just be supporting cast. I don't I don't know. I just I think he's pretty good. Um, Wake, if Hartman's there, obviously, is probably better. Uh, NC State, I think, is what Leary. Right. I think he's better. Yep. Uh, DJ, I don't know. DJ is supposed to be better. Yeah. Is he? We'll find That's out. Yeah. Right. And if, I, not and if he's last not, does, does, well, but if he's not, then is the other kid better? Yeah. I mean, maybe, probably. The way Clemson recruits, you would have to think so. Georgia Tech, I mean, whatever, Georgia Tech. TvD at Miami is probably better. I think that that one's pretty much an agreed upon he, at this point. De- he's definitely better, yeah. Yeah, and then I was just looking at, like, the NFL draft rankings from earlier today, and uh, or the first mock draft, you know, because the year's about to start, and... <laughs> You know, Anthony Richardson was in the uh, like a number eight overall pick, you know, for Florida. 
I mean, you've got a lot of really good quarterbacks here. So there, I guess to, to then come on the opposite end, there's a chance that, you know, you just get quarterbacked a couple of games and you're just like, damn, that Mm -hmm. sucks. But yeah, I mean, I'm not to run on the parade, Perry. I, I think everything you said is possible. Right. And I don't think there's a problem. I can see five wins as easily as you can see 10 wins. Like it just like, it is such a spread of what this team can do based off what they have done. Like their body of work is not Mm -hmm. proving that they can take the next step, but Norvell's full resume and like the overall analytics and stats surrounding this team show that a team could be good. But like we saw in Nebraska last year, like they were like what the best, like, the best, the best three and nine team, team in the history team. of college football. Like they were legitimately <laughs> like a decent team, but won three games. Like that is yeah. college football is weird. Football in general is weird. Uh, like we could be here in four months, like laughing about the fact that FSU somehow won 10 wins or like get in the hot board <laughs> together. Like, <laughs> right. We're sitting around going, you know, is Matt Campbell available again? It's the fifth consecutive <laughs> off season. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a fun range, It's but it's football. Right. This is how this was supposed to go. It's this is what's fun, fun season. Like I right. think that is like the guarantee. Like I think FSU fans, unless things like really, really, really <laughs> go wrong, <laughs> should have fun watching football again. And that's all you ask. That's all you can ask for. It's something to do on Saturdays. That's fun. Your team has a chance every day they show up at the park and you take that and just be happy with it. I mean, that was when Drew Brees retired for the Saints. I was like, please just be fun. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to watch Sundays and feel like I'm not the Jaguars, you know? And I know like probably like half of our listeners are Jaguars fans. So I'm sorry. Yeah, no, John and I were like, Oh <laughs> man, I just one wish one day the books would be fun. And then they became like way too fun. And then they became like, yeah. Oh my God, I hate them. <laughs> in like a week. Right. <laughs> you, you had like yeah. one season and like ever. Yeah. That ring is forever though. So the ring is flag fly forever, baby. Well, you know, though now, I mean, I was a senior in high school when the Bucks won the Super Bowl. The first time, so I've seen it. My team do it twice now. Most, I mean, there's still a bunch of NFL teams that have never won the Super Bowl, so oh, they may not win it for another forty years. But add it to the predictions list. You've heard it here from John. Rings last forever. Florida State will be playing in the national title this mm-hmm. season. John <laughs> Marchant, put, put it down. Put it down. Take it to the bank. Take it to your nearest casino. Send it in, courtesy of John. No, don't send that. That is not gambling advice. We do not advise any gambling. Um, Would make a pretty good clickbait title, though. <laughs> you'd, you'd get pretty good odds if you put that bet. Yeah, I would. Pretty good odds. I think that's just called the field. I think at that point, <laughs> at that point down the list, they just give you the. Field. I don't think they're titled yet. No, I don't think so either. Um, but I think that does it, man. I, I think there's a lot to take in, a lot to go through. Again, I think this episode carries over to next week. But uh, in case you are, you have listened to this next week, we should have a uh, Duquesne recap podcast coming to you on Sunday. And I'm going to try to include some LSU preview on that, see if we can get uh, our guy back in for a little chat about the team again, see where they're at. They're promising to name a starting quarterback before next week. That'll likely, I think, come Monday but um, or Tuesday since the game's on Sunday. I don't know. It's going to be weird. <laughs> but uh, definitely Duquesne recap Sunday night with a little – Here's what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like, and and all the things from a hopefully spring game like uh, thumping. I guess yeah. I, I guess if spring games aren't really thumpings, but you know, a, a little jamboree. scrimmage, jamboree. yeah, a little jamboree, a little preseason. You know, my JV school versus yours. Uh, but you know, hopefully it's a one and a start for the first time since 2016. Perry, man, appreciate you making the time to join us tonight. And uh, John, as always, good to see you, buddy. That's a wrap.